Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bridgewater Church Online. We're so excited that you're joining us, and we have this great opportunity today to dive back into this new series simply titled, Elijah. Elijah is an incredible character in the Bible. In fact, all of us, whether we know it or not, have been impacted by Elijah's life. And as we recap a little bit of what we talked about last week, don't forget that God is using Elijah to confront the most evil king and queen in Israel's history. It's Ahab, and do you remember what his wife's name is? Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel are just horrible leaders for God's people. And into the mix, God drops a prophet named Elijah. Elijah's going to come in and speak the truth of God to not only these leaders, but to all of God's people. It all began when Elijah told King Ahab that it would not rain and there would not be any dew on the ground for over three years. And now... God has sent Elijah into a ravine. In fact, it's the Kareth Ravine in the Jordan River Valley. He's been drinking the water from the brook, and he's been fed by ravens. It's time for the second adventure in his journey. And that's where we're picking it up today. As we dig back into this story, we're going to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 24. And today what I really want to talk to you about is how important it is to trust God and to realize that God will never leave us alone. God is never going to abandon us. And that's exactly what Elijah's going to show us as he reveals the power of two. In fact, I thought we should have some fun. Let's talk about some famous pairings, shall we? Okay, now you have to fill in the blanks. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to do this, but I'm going to help you out. So two heads are better than one. Let's thank the British for fish and chips. Everything's better with a little salt and pepper. And I'd like to introduce you to the bride and groom. Oh, come on, let's do some more. Nothing goes together like, if you said rice, you're wrong, it's pork and beans. Let's make a list of pros and cons. Do you do that when you're making decisions? And I'm sure all of you have read The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Now, don't forget, life is not all fun and games. And then, every builder needs a hammer and nails. And, and what about Prince Charming needs his Cinderella? Peanut butter 
and jelly? And then what about this famous pairing? Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Kermit and Miss Piggy are always a hit, but I thought I'd throw you a little curveball here. Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner. Thank you, Pirates of the Caribbean. And then, can anybody fill this one in at home? Think Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam. The next one's easy, Batman and Robin. And one more, you and, oh, you may have been thinking God. It sounds so spiritual, but I'm thinking you and me. Now, what I'm trying to get your mind ready for is this revelation from Elijah about the power of two. And to understand how incredible it is that God doesn't want us to do life alone, I'm going to show you three unforgettable life-changing principles in this story that if you will let them, it will change your life because I know these principles are already changing me. Let's get started. 1 Kings 17, 7 through 12. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. I love her answer. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. That way we may eat it and die. Did you like the emphasis on that? Let me give you the first unforgettable principle. If we're going to understand the power of two, it all begins with this. God's two is better than our one. Let me just say it again. God's two is better than our one. Now, the brook dried up. No more ravens bringing bread and meat. And Elijah is told by God to go to Sidon. Now, I had to do a little geography. Sidon still exists today. It's the third largest city in Lebanon, the country of Lebanon. It was a town in that day that bordered Israel just as Lebanon does today. But oddly enough, not only was God planning to impact the lives of his children in Israel, God was also reaching out to Gentiles. Now, here's how I know this. It all begins in Luke 4, 24 through 26. And I'm not going to read that for you, but it's just a reminder that Jesus himself referred to Elijah. Do you remember the story when Jesus went to uh, share with people and in the synagogue of his own hometown? People hated it. They wanted to stone him. But before he left, Jesus simply said, it's just like Elijah. Elijah wasn't welcomed in his hometown or in his own country, and neither was Jesus. Elijah 
was an unwelcome guest in Israel. But God, in his infinite wisdom, sent Elijah to a people he never dreamed he would go to and to a country he never dreamed he would live in for a while. Has that ever happened to you? Has God ever asked you to go somewhere and do something that you said, I'll never do that, and then you did? And what about this? Has God ever told you to go somewhere you didn't want to go? That certainly happened to me when I went to Sri Lanka, a country off the coast of India. I I understand how Elijah is feeling, but I've got to add another little historical tidbit. Did you know this? Sidon was the home turf of Jezebel. How do you like that? The queen, this evil queen, all I can think of Disney movies right now. This evil queen, Jezebel, would never think to look for God's prophet, the one they want to kill, in her own hometown. But that's where God sent Elijah, I like it. Some scholars even say that Elijah was the first prophet to the Gentiles because God sent him to a country that was not full of Jewish people. It was full of people that didn't even believe in Elijah's God. So what happens? Well, Elijah gets to the city gate, he walks in, he sees a widow gathering sticks to go home and fix a meal, and God must have prompted him because he says to her, hey, I I would really like your help. It's true, isn't it, what it says in Corinthians, that God uses the foolish and the weak things, the things we think aren't even possible, God uses those things, and I love this. The poor woman doesn't even realize who Elijah is. And and I'm taken by the first principle. Do you remember what it is? God's two is better than our one. See, here's our struggle. We become comfortable doing things on our own. Pride shows up and gets in the way. And we don't, we don't want to ask other people for help. Now, don't miss this. This is so important. Elijah had been on his own in a ravine for what, a year? Maybe two years? And now God sends him to a foreign country with people that don't even know who he is or believe in his God. And God says, I'm going to use a widow to take care of you until it's time to leave the place where I've sent you. Oh, man. See, th- this, is, this is something I think really should hit home for all of us. In fact, I have a question. Do you ask people to help you? Are you willing to put your pride aside and decide you need other people to help you make good decisions, to care for your needs? Or are you one of those stubborn, independent people who believe God's one is better when you're alone? You don't need anybody else. 
It's not God's two is better than our one. It's I'm better on my own. I love the story of the bricklayer who tried to move 500 pounds of bricks on his own. They were on the top of a four-story building. The problem was, he was all by himself, and he didn't want to fill in the blanks. He didn't want to ask for help. He thought, it's going to take too long to carry the bricks down by hand, so he came up with this incredible plan. He took a, a, a barrel. He took a metal barrel, and he put it on a pulley system, and he put all the bricks in this barrel. And then he thought, I'll go back down, and I'll, I'll just lower the barrel down. So he fastened the rope to the barrel, loaded it with the bricks, but there was a problem. It was 500 pounds of bricks. He only weighed 140 pounds. And he didn't take everything into account like you would have if you would have only asked for help. It's the insurance claim that really stands out. The one where he had to answer the questions about his injuries. Here's what he said. Everything happened so fast, I wasn't sure what was taking place. He said, since I only weigh 140 pounds, the 500 pound load jerked me from the ground so fast that I didn't have time to think of letting go of the rope. As I passed between the second and third floors, I met the barrel coming down. This accounts for the bruises and lacerations on my upper body. I held tightly to the rope, he says, until I reached the top where my hand became jammed in the pulley, and that's how I broke my thumb. At the same time, however, the barrel hit the sidewalk, the bottom fell out, and so did all the bricks. Now the barrel only weighed 40 pounds, and I still weighed 140 pounds. That meant a swift descent as I met the empty barrel coming up. This accounts for my broken ankle. Slowed only slightly, I continued the descent and landed on the pile of bricks. This accounts for my sprained back and broken collarbone. At this point, I lost complete consciousness of my mind and my senses, and all of a sudden, the empty barrel crashed down on me. That's the reason for my head injuries. As to the last question on the insurance form, what would you do differently if the situation arose again? He said, please be advised, I'm finished trying to do everything all alone. Now, come on. You're laughing by now, maybe giggling. You're thinking, how could that ever happen? But don't miss what's going on with Elijah. It would have been easy for Elijah to say, look God, I've stopped the rain, there's no dew, there's a famine in the land, and now you're going to send me to a country where I don't want to go, and you're going to ask me to depend on a woman I don't know, who, who doesn't have anything of her own, I don't need anybody. Shame on you if that's your attitude. We all need others, because... God's two is better than our one. Well, let's go to 1 Kings 17, 13 through 16. What happened? Elijah said to her, this widow, don't be afraid. Go home and do as I, as you have, you, <laughs> I'll read it. I'll get it right. Don't be afraid. 
Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Here's our second life-changing principle about the power of two. Give and God will give to you. Give and God will give to you. So let's tackle the details of the story. The widow was not only willing to gather the wood she needed for the baking fire, she was also willing to entertain a request from a stranger. Kind of a hard thing to do then and now. Incredibly, Elijah asked her for a drink of water. Not a big deal, unless you remember there's a drought. There's no rain. Uh, There's a famine. There's no food. But the woman leaves. At least she starts to. She's going to get him to drink. She's willing. But he stops her in her tracks and says, And oh, by the way, could you go home with the little bit that you have and make me a loaf of bread first? Now, there's a little tidbit. Did you pick it up in the story yet? If not, you'll see that the widow has a son. So she's not just a widow, but she's a mother. And the bottom line is, this was an epic test of her faith, not only in Elijah, whom she didn't know, but in a God she didn't know. But listen, here's the thing. Give, and God will give to you. Why? Do you know why? God owns everything. You see, this isn't a name-it-claim-it prosperity gospel. This isn't, if I give this, God will give this. This isn't tit-for-tat. This is about faith and trust. God owns everything. It's a lot like when I used to take my kids to McDonald's when they were small and I bought their meals, their happy meals. And then I'd come to the table and I'd say, can I have a fry? And they would say, no, they're mine. And then one day it dawned on me, I bought them. They're mine. Those are my fries. They didn't see it that way. But do you, do you see it God's way? Everything that we own belongs to God. But I understand where the woman's coming from, don't you? How does she trust Elijah? Verse 14 actually helps us understand. In fact, God gives Elijah permission to reveal the food plan, and it's not a pickup order from Kroger, right? He says... Now, when you go home and you use the little bit of meal and bread that you have, meal to make the bread and the oil, he said, when you do that, it's never going to run dry, so don't, don't be afraid, it's fine. Okay, wait a minute, she doesn't know him, she doesn't know his God, and she's just supposed to trust, are you ready for this, that the miracle is on its way. God wasn't just going to take care of Elijah. He was going to provide for a Gentile widow. It's mind-blowing. You see, 
the widow took Elijah at his word. And, and I'm, she had to be thinking, here we go, I hope this works, because our only food for my son and I may be this crazy, hairy man's last meal. Why'd she do it? Verse 13. There was something about Elijah saying to her, don't be afraid. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but principle number two needs to jump off the page. Give and God will give it to you. you you've got to learn to trust God. I'll never forget the story, my father-in-law, who is now walking the streets of heaven, Kay's dad, Bob, he told me this unforgettable story. He and the pastor, O.L. Johnson, it, they, they were in a small church that would grow to hundreds and hundreds of people. But in this beginning days, the church was small and they had very little. But they were faithful with what they had. They believed in giving to God and God, out of his abundance, would give to those who are faithful. So they were at Bob's house one Saturday morning. Bob was the treasurer. O.L. was there. And Pastor Johnson said to Bob, well, how's it look? Bob says, we're short. And they were short quite a bit of money. And so they, Bob said, what are we going to do, Pastor? And, Bob's, and Pastor said to Bob, well, why don't we just start praying about it? And as they began to pray, literally, I'm not kidding you, there was a knock at the door. Bob went to the door, answered it, and a man said these words. I've really been having a hard time in my life lately, and I haven't been going to church. But God's really been doing a work in me, and in all this time, I've been saving my tithe money in the bank. I wouldn't spend it. I knew it belonged to God, this 10%. And he said, God told me to stop and write you a check. So here's my tithe money. I'm giving it to you. They had a wonderful conversation. They encouraged him to go to church. And when Bob looked at the check, it was for the exact amount of money that they were short to the penny. True story. Give and God will give to you. And you see, this isn't the only time that God worked a miracle in Sidon. Matthew 15, 21 through 28 says, and this is Jesus leaving that place. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. But listen to this, watch this. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before Jesus. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Do, do you understand that story? Do you get this? You, Jesus wasn't being cruel. God had always separated the children of Israel out for his good to change the world through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
It's not that Jesus didn't want to meet her need. He just wanted to know if her faith was great enough to believe, even though she wasn't a Jew. And what does she say? Even the dogs eat crumbs from the table. Jesus was going to give her more than crumbs. He was going to bless her with a miracle. And he granted her request. Listen, have you thought of this? Have, has this gone through your mind? Had this woman heard the story of Elijah? Hundreds of years before, had the woman in Sidon, were they telling the story of the widow and the boy and the, and the flower and the oil? Is that why she had such great faith to believe? Do these verses stick out to you? Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Listen, you, please grab this. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is a gospel of faith. Give and God will give to you. And just realize this, the widow and Elijah had enough to meet their needs daily. It wasn't a, a miracle grab bag. This was right now, listen church, right now wherever you are, are you willing to trust God with all that you have? Are you willing to give God your time, your money, your talents? Or are you just sitting home just trying to soak it all in for yourself? God can't use that. I'm empowering you. I'm encouraging you. Use your money. Tithe. Give to the ministry of the church. Use your funds to bless others in need. Use your time and your talents. Take, let, stop worrying about what you don't have. Start using what you do have that God has placed in your hands. That's the power of two, you and God together. I love what Randy Alcorn says. Giving jumpstarts our relationship with God. It opens our fists so we can receive what God has for us. Are you capturing this? Is it starting to empower you? Is it starting to challenge you? Is it starting to inspire you? God's two is better than our one. Give and God will give to you, but God can't give to you if you're holding back what he's placed in your hands. But once you say, here it is, God, miracles can begin to flow in you and through you, which leads to the end of the story. And I got to tell you, the end of it, hang on, this isn't just a short insight. This is even more incredible than what we've already read. 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow? I am staying with because by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord. Lord, my God, let this boy's life be 
returned to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Here's our third insight. The power of two requires Faith over fear. Here it is. Let your faith overpower your fear. Let your faith overpower your fear. I'm, I'm just amazed at this. It, 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 did you pick up on it? It even bewilders Elijah. The boy gets sick to the point that he dies. Elijah comes in and she says, is this about my sin? Now, I, I, I had to play with this. I had to really wrestle with this. Have you ever struggled over this? Do you ever wonder if there are times where God wants to bless you? But because of your past sins or the struggles of today, you think you're unworthy? I do. I, I think that. There are times, I, I am such a, a, a pitiful man at times. I can be such a a man that is out of God's will at times because I am so imperfect. And sometimes I just shake my head, God, how can you use me? And then I read this story. This should give everybody hope. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, the woman, maybe the woman had worshipped Baal before. Elijah showed up. I don't know, but I know this. The woman had given Elijah not just her food, but a room, a little side room. They would have had outside steps. It would have provided privacy, and it would have continued to create a sense of integrity in the relationship that he had. And he takes the boy without saying a word, gently scoops him up in his arms, and goes upstairs and lays him on his mat. And he's thinking in his mind, after all I've been through, this woman has cared for us. Are you ever like that with God? Do you ever think, God, after all that I've done, why am I going through this? Why are my children going through this? We've got to stop this nonsense. We've got to stop this. In fact, I, I have this insight I've got to give you this morning. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith means facing our fears, choosing to trust in God and believe what we cannot yet see. This woman, don't forget who she is. She's a Gentile. She isn't a child of Israel's nation. She doesn't believe in God. She just believes in the power of the God that Elijah serves. And that's all that was needed. It's a dramatic scene. Elijah lays on the boy. You know what I love about this church? I got to tell you, he didn't give in to his feelings of doubt. And he had them. We see them in the story. He didn't give in to his feelings of doubt. He didn't, he didn't start focusing his attention on his fear that the boy wouldn't live. He got all, I mean, listen, he got all in. He was emotionally in, he was spiritually in, he was mentally in, and he's physically in 
And he's laying on this boy and he lays on him and he's praying and he lays on him and he's praying and he lays on him and as he's praying, we're told he cries to God. I had to look it up in the Hebrew. I had to look it up. Here's what it means. As he cried, we're told the Lord heard Elijah. God literally was drawn to the bleeding and the crackling of his cry. One dictionary says it this way. Elijah shouted to God in a thundering wince. Man, is God deaf? Was God asleep? No. No, not at all. In times of testing, our expectations of what we want God to do must be matched by our prayerful petitions for what we know God can do. I'm really... I'm really trying to help you understand. I'm trying to reach all the way through this camera and in, in, into your home. And I want you to hear this. Let your faith overpower your fear. Here's why. We're all, every one of us, are going to put our focus into something. If you're not putting your focus into faith in God, I guarantee that your focus is in your fear of what can happen in this life. I actually wanted you to grab a hold of this. I put this there on the screen for you. Faith and fear require that you believe in something beyond yourself, something you cannot see. It's our choice what to believe. Are you letting your faith overpower your fear? It doesn't mean you won't have fear. You will. But are you willing to be like Elijah and cry out, wince, thunder before God, and get all in to the prayer? Elijah did, and the boy lived. Isn't that a great ending to the story? Literally, the boy was restored to health and to life. But it not only blessed Elijah, and it not only brought the boy back to life, he was grateful, But the woman looks at Elijah and says, Now I know that the word of God you speak is true. We'll never know how powerful God is until we let our faith overpower our fears. That's the power of two. Us with God and you and I connected to each other. In fact, do you remember Matthew 18, 19 through 21? Jesus said, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather, here it is, this is essential, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Are you ready to stop trying to do life alone? Are you ready to to stop talking about God? Do you know people like that? I do. They talk about how they pray, but they don't need anybody's help. Are you ready to put your pride aside and ask God for help? And not only God, but are you like Elijah? And are you ready today, just even right now this morning when this ends, will you reach out to a friend that you know believes in God and can the two of you unite together 
and see God do miraculous things. Elijah had been separated without companionship for quite a long time in that ravine, but God knew he needed companionship. He needed to see the power of God work, not just in his life, but through his life and in the life of a widow and her son. I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you have people there with you this morning, will you all just stand to your feet? Would you gather together and maybe hold hands or put your hands out? And if you're by yourself, I want you to just do this with me. It's just like I'm right there with you right now. And we're gonna claim the promise, not only of Elijah's miracle, but the promise of Jesus who said, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is as well. Because there's power in two. Let's pray. God, we need each other. We can't do this alone. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in his name, and we're gathered in your name, Jesus, right now. In the name of Jesus, we claim miracles like you performed in and through Elijah. God, we're asking that those that feel alone and afraid would understand that there's nothing further from the truth. We can reach out to you right now. God, I'm praying for a miracle in people's lives that they have a peace fall on them right now that would remind them they are not alone. And God, I also pray that we would be those people who would reach out to our friends and family and we would just call people, encourage people, and help them to know that no one has to live in fear by themselves. There is the power of two, us with you and us with one another. And God, when that happens, your will, your power becomes evident. Father, we need you now more than ever before. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Make that phone call. Put out that text. Remind people they're not alone. There is power when two people come together in the presence of God. And don't forget that you and God together are a powerhouse. I love you so much. Elijah has so much more to teach us. So share, share this message with your friends. Ask them to tune in. Create a watch party easier now than ever before now that mask mandates are being lifted. And let's, let's reach out and help people to know they're not alone. They don't have to be afraid. And once we begin to give, God gives to us because there is power in the number two. I love you. We're in this together. And until I see you soon, I hope, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.